2: You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big, I mean huge, for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get started.
0: The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle...
2: Welcome, everyone, to the main event, Mark's podcast. We are here in November, and it is Survivor Series month. I am your first host, lifelong wrestling fan, former radio guy, and the leader of the Jack brand in the main event figure federation. I am Troy. With me, as always, is the WWE Walking Wrestling Encyclopedia the main event collector on Instagram, and the leader of the Overdrive brand in the M-E-F-F. And also, the fake razor to my fake diesel, he is Greg. What's up, Greg?
1: Why the hell do I get stuck with that crap?
2: I'm fake diesel? You're like eight feet shorter than you should be. What the hell? That's not even... All right, anyway. Getting off of, like... I had to take a shot
1: at your height. It wouldn't be a podcast without that, would it?
2: Yeah. Uh, I did notice... (laughs) That's what um, we do, folks. I did notice when this goes, What's what we do <laughs> on this card when uh first of all I was confused because I always forget about fake razor and fake diesel. But when Razor's theme hit, I was like, wait, what? He's he's in the NWO right now. And then uh was it Rick Boggs comes out and I was like, my god. And <laughs> you look over it. Scott Hall, say what you want about he drinks and did pills and whatever else, but he's like shredded. You look at Rick Boggs and he's coming out with a dad bod.
1: Yeah, uh, I just, I always question that too. (laughs) It's like, I'm not saying I'm in any position to speak on one's body, but it's like, man, like Razor came out looking like the way he did versus that. It's almost as if, like, I mean, I know it was a parody, but like a hardcore parody, almost like BWO style. Well, yeah, you know,
2: Well, and, and the thing was fake diesel it actually was like ripped and shredded like, yeah. you know, the real one. So that one. Was I, I
1: might even argue at this point he might have been more ripped than Nash.
2: Yeah, yeah, he probably was, but I don't know. It, it would be it would have been funny if that because I think they dropped the big sexy nickname for him. Yeah. I, it it would have been funny to refer to the guy who would be Kane as Big Sexy.
1: Big Sexy is only Kevin Nash. He was never Diesel.
2: Yeah. Either way, we we're talking about Survivor Series 1996. You'd think this is a Halloween show with the cosplay going on here. And We're going to talk about somebody else who was in a weird getup who I was like, oh, didn't expect <laughs> to see him on the show. But all right. <laughs> But yeah, Survivor Series 1996, man. I wasn't yet watching wrestling. I would start watching around this time the next year. So I think it was like right after, right around Bad Blood. Blasphemy. Or 97 is when I started watching. This, Do you have any like personal memories of watching this thing? This thing?
1: I do. I, this is like the first time ever where I was rooting the heel. There was just... Wait, what, the main event? yeah ah, there was just something about Sid that I gravitated towards and in 1986 it was all about either Shawn Michaels or Bret Hart like which side were you on at least in WWE and I always picked Shawn Michaels of course but I don't know there was something about Sid that I gravitated towards and I was rooting him hard in this match and I just I remember that because like like I said that was like the first heel I ever really cheered for
2: well you know why Greg because he's the man
1: and the master well, yeah, the ruler of the world. Can
2: we do and that he, again for live, pal?
1: And he has half the brain I do, so you know it's awesome.
2: Well, yeah, I can't remember the line he said on Raw, but he said something about it. It, it was a Shooter McGavin type thing, but it wasn't supposed to be. He just messed it up because it was almost like where he was like, "I eat piece of crap like you for breakfast." <laughs> he said <laughs> something. He to... got a Shooter
1: McGavin reference, and holy
2: crap! Yes. <laughs> Well, he said something like that. To, I think it was to Brett. He said something like that to, to him. And Brett was like, it kind of had a happy Gilmore response to it. I was like, wait, what? And he was like, All right. no. <laughs> it was, I, I, if somebody can. Breakfast? No. Yeah I, can't, yeah. I can't remember what, what exactly it was, but it was some gaff like that. And it was like, my God, like that's so Sid. But, you know, I was, a fr- I was a fan of his, too. And I have a Mattel figure of his. I don't know if you do.
1: You mean the Mattel figure, yes.
2: Well, yeah. yeah actually, I mean, they there's, only made one. I think
1: there's a Sid Justice, too, actually. A basic, Seriously? Mm-hmm.
2: He's uh, in blue type. Nice. Yeah, because that was definitely Sid Justice in the blue. But, yeah, let's, uh, let's take a quick break, have the turkey gobble, because it is turkey month and Survivor Series month. When we come back, we're going to get into the news and notes of the time there's some interesting stuff to talk about follow us on twitter and instagram at main event underscore marks and facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod
0: now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the dominion energy reliability investment our new investment product offers competitive returns no maintenance fees and flexible online access to your money make the reliable investment in reliable energy the dominion energy reliability investment to find out more go online to reliabilityinvestment.com that's reliabilityinvestment.com now back to our program
2: (laughs) all right we're back news and notes time man this first one I forgot this happened around this time. I was like, wow, October, or excuse me, November of 96. Uh, In what will either be remembered as a groundbreaking storyline or an act of total desperation, WWF ran an angle where Steve Austin broke into Brian Pillman's house and Pillman held him off with a handgun.
1: (laughs) Oh, man.
2: Even though the matches that aired during the show were pre-taped weeks ago, the angle itself... Was filmed live to keep it from leaking out. It was filmed at Brian Pillman's actual house, and two "quote unquote" friends that Austin beat up outside were actually students from a local wrestling school. The angle ended with Pillman cursing on the air, which wasn't edited out of the West Coast feed that aired later. So, Uncle Dave speculate—I mean, is not really speculation at this point. He's basically stating facts as a speculation that they got approval from USA Network for him to. Drop a swear.
1: Well, you can just claim insanity.
2: Yeah. Ah, Well, safe bet. I mean, they did say, because people were saying, they're like, well, Brian wasn't actually nuts, but they said, man, he was dedicated to that freaking gimmick, because he would, like, literally show up at the hotel acting out of his mind. And then he would, like, go up to somebody later and, like, completely kayfabe it. And he's like, oh, hey, you know, and act like normal. But then he'd go back up to the front desk and act like he was psycho. Was he, like, or
1: was he just bipolar?
2: Maybe. But he'd do things like he'd walk into the wrong hotel. They're like, you're not even, like, registered here. Get out. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, in the future, Greg and I will review Film has Got a Gun. But we just, we have to. It's, uh, it is something, man. And it really helped uh, build the Stone Cold character that we're going to continue to talk about today. And a good companion piece, by the way, to this is if you go back and listen to In the Archives, last month we covered uh, Buried Alive 96. It was a pay-per-view right before this, and it was actually the one where Stone Cold debuted his infamous Hell Froze Over uh, theme. So lots, uh, lots of evolution. On this show, there's another thing of evolution I wanted to point out to you that I'm sure you noticed too. (sighs) something that was more of a uh, de-evolution, I guess. They're planning to do an NWO pay-per-view in January.
1: Oh, man. Look, not to get ahead, but, like, I've said it a million times, when you show up on the back of garbage trucks, that's never a good omen for your pay-per-view. Well, you know.
2: Yeah. The whole thing was just a joke. And... uh, it was torture.
1: Uh to and it had that ladder match, that was pretty damn good.
2: That was fine, except for like the racist comments they kept making about Eddie being a jumping a Mexican jumping bean and crap. Like ugh. the match itself was good. But what was it like I, I just love how they had like the NWO voiceover guy every so often, like during like when whatever the babyface W C W guy was on top in a match, he'd come over and be like, Loser
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> just, I don't even think they had music either, right? Like, did they say you guys?
2: Uh, I don't think so. It was just. Yeah, and we got uh, Bubba Rogers being run over by a, a Harley or something. I don't. It,
1: well, they're try- yeah. trying to run o- over his crotch, right?
2: I don't even remember. I just remember they ran him over with a with a motorcycle, because apparently you can't get out of the way of a of a rolling motorcycle. <laughs>
1: Why do you say that sarcastically?
2: There uh, uh, you go. Uh, something not quite so depressing.
1: Every but time you say, here really you go, it's usually bad. <laughs> there you go.
2: <laughs> well, uh, keep. Uh, let's keep it moving here. This, this one isn't, I mean, it is connected eventually to the NWO thing, which would get a little depressing. But Kurt Hennig is the latest wrestler who's expected to jump ship from WWF to WCW. Hennig met with Eric Bischoff this month and reportedly agreed to a deal that will have Hennig return as an active wrestler. When WWF learned of this, they sent WCW a threatening letter, a uh, legal letter, because they were under the impression that Hennig was planning to make a surprise appearance on this week's Nitro episode. And WWF says Hennig is still under contract for them. We talked about this with the buried alive thing, yeah. too. That I also find it was,
1: funny. He doesn't debut until, like, what, June and July?
2: Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I can't remember what... Some, one of our shows in the archives, we talked about, he just... Like, the big surprise of Nitro, he just walks to the ring and stands there. Well,
1: we still don't know if the big surprise is him or Raven. That night, they have both.
2: Yeah, and Raven was sitting at ringside, making his debut, kind of. Kurt Hennig just walks to the ring. <laughs> Nothing really happens. But. That's sad
1: on both parts. You just sit on his ass, you're just sitting there... Nonchalantly walking to the ring
2: I know What did A you Yeah Oh my gosh You remember that time Kurt Hennig walked to the ring With his hands on his hips Yeah That's That's some good TV right there Aiden man. Walker <laughs> <laughs> That'll get you the quarter hours Uh Ric Flair finally had Shoulder surgery this week But he may be out of action Longer than previously expected Current plan was that He's ready to return Or when he's ready to return Is for uh Hall, and Nash to attack his 19-year-old son, David, which would lead to a match with the Horsemen versus the NWO. Not sure that's what led to that feud. Did, did they bring David into stuff at this point?
1: Not that I remember.
2: Yeah, they're I don't jumping think started the started
1: so until 99, actually. Maybe late 98? Yeah.
2: yeah, they're jumping the gun a bit here.
1: Well, they found out how Dave Meltzer found out, so they changed plans to make him look stupid.
2: Yeah, plans changed. Good. Put it off for a couple of years. That'll throw them off. Well, and then they they just rammed that stuff into the ground. They're like, we found out that, I mean, not that this was a, a good kept secret or anything, but, oh, Ric Flair can cry really well on command. And we can, if we beat up his kids, that'll make him cry. So they just did that repeatedly with David and then Reed
1: How is his little girl, the one that turned out to be the breakout star and not one of his sons?
2: I know. Well, rumor has it was that, uh, you know, from anybody who saw him, they said that Reed was, I mean, he looked like he was destined to be amazing. And, uh, Rick put a lot of time and effort into, uh, you know, his, him getting the basics down, but, you know, things happen. Unfortunately, that one, uh, Oh, it sucks, man, cuz you th- I mean, not just because we lost a life, but it's like you think of, you know, what could have been with him. We could have had yeah, some players-
1: I say the same thing about a couple of guys back in the day. Um Magnum TA, he would have been a huge star.
2: Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah, well, you- I mean, he you didn't
1: think- die, I mean, but
2: right, but his career did. Well, you think about uh we could have had a flair on top of the men's and women's divisions in WWE. That's kind of crazy to think about. I know. And meanwhile, David's sitting back like, I used to wrestle. I'm like, shut up, David.
1: Why is he Terry Funk all of a sudden?
2: I don't know. Here, Hey, hey, man, I got a big one for you. There
1: Your we go. A whore.
2: Uh, you're Sorry. saying that after this story.
1: Uh, no, I'm not. Because it's already a bad
2: segue. <laughs> Hulk Hogan will be, is uh, making media rounds to promote his movie, Santa with Muscles. Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: good God.
2: Santa with muscles, man.
1: I do do anything no? for a book.
2: <laughs> Did you ever watch this movie?
1: I've never seen it in my life.
2: Yeah, neither have I. I heard it was called Santa with Muscles, and I instantly didn't care. I did, however, watch that horrible, I think it was called Christmas Sleigh or Santa's Slay or whatever, where the Jewish Bill Goldberg played Santa Claus, a murderous Santa Claus, by the way. That's money. Yeah, it was uh it sucked.
1: All things sucked.
2: Yeah, it uh it was bad. And this, by the way, when he's doing press for this movie, he he did the he he wore an NWO shirt under Regis and Kathy, and he was yes, it was Kathy Lee at this time, people, if you don't remember. But he was wearing the NWO shirt and he was like, Well, oh, I play a bad guy on T V, but I'm still the same good brother you've always known, brother. Good brother? Yeah, he's the he's the goodest brother. And, the goodest. Uh, <laughs> yep. Well, I I mean, I don't know about the big LG. Oh, but Grammar's just, uh,
1: taking a huge hit on the show today.
2: Hell yeah. Well, I don't know about the big LG uh Doc Gallows there, but uh if rumors are true about Carl Anderson, Hulk Hogan may be uh just as good of a brother. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Not getting into it current news or rumors or innuendo whatever leaving it alone moving on
1: why would you cheat on your hot asian wife right that's what he calls her by the way before anybody hears that Mm, that's what he calls her literally his hot asian wife
2: i think he had a t-shirt made of that
1: i would not surprise me at all
2: yeah i think i there were a couple pictures i think of where she was wearing a t-shirt that said hot asian wife or something like that but anyway, uh, yeah, we haven't done this in a couple weeks, so I figured we'd get big back into this one.
1: We'd get big, yes, let's do it. Go big or go home.
2: Hell <laughs> oh, yeah. Where Why else? do you make gonna...
1: innuendo out of that? I could have been talking genuinely.
2: I didn't uh, make any innuendo out of it.
1: Lies, you went I heard you. <laughs>
2: Whatever. But all right, we haven't done this in a couple weeks, so i got to get back into it here. This week in DCW you.
1: Hold on, let me guess. They're, they're planning the invasion.
2: Yeah, that's it. Am no, I close? Uh, no. Oh. Uh, I mean, that stuff was going on at the time. There were rumors about what the hell's going on between ECW and WWF. Well, we'll, but
1: we'll get into on the show, but Furnace Lafon and Flash Funk on this show, clearly there was a working relationship there, so yeah.
2: Well, <laughs> since you mentioned it, I'll do that story first. At a recent ECW show, the fans chanted, You sold out! At Too Cold Scorpio who is headed to the WWF. And Scorpio responded, telling the fans that if you got offered 200 grand a year, you take that job too.
1: Well, you don't want to make five cents a year from Folly. Come on, dude.
2: Yeah. Like you don't want the hope and pray check where you go to the bank and you hope and pray. It doesn't bounce. <laughs> I will say he's better than Herb Abrams, but I mean, that's like,
1: what's that know. saying.
2: Yeah. That's not really, I mean, who's at the bar. We are the bar. This next one. At the same ECW show, Stevie Richards got hit in the neck with Sandman's cane and collapsed. It was apparently a stinger, and Richards was paralyzed for a while and taken away in an ambulance. For about half an hour, he could only move his fingers, and by the next day, er, he was up and walking around just fine. Shane Douglas had also recently complained about the use of the canes as he collapsed the week before after getting hit in the neck with one as well. Douglas reportedly refused to work with Sandman if the cane is involved anymore. Also, on the same show, Francine got hit with a chair thrown by by a fan.
1: Of course.
2: (laughs) But she was fine.
1: (laughs) What the hell was that?
2: I don't know. I'm getting eaten by global warming. This is just like... Oh,
1: okay, cool. I get it. I got that, actually. Yeah. I don't know if anyone else will.
2: (laughs) Uh, Go back in the archives. (laughs) But, yeah, this just, like, multiple people are getting hit so hard with a Singapore cane in the neck that it is momentarily either paralyzing them or just dropping them, where they can't stand up.
1: And for anybody that questions why I don't like ECW,
2: there you go. Yeah, and I'm a big Shane Douglas mark, but, like... It's you know, I he has he has a right to complain here. He was the top guy. I mean, I realize Sandman was a top guy too, but if one top guy is hurting another one repeatedly, yeah, complain. It's like, dude, what the f? You think the rock?
1: Well, were- it's also we're talking, uh, <clears throat> not to um, let's get off on a tangent, but we're talking about two vastly different guys. Shane Douglas, whatever, no matter what anyone thinks, can actually wrestle, Sandman can't. There's a reason he has an awesome theme song in the the Singapore Cane to mask everything else. Yep. So,
2: well, I might
1: argue he's one of the worst wrestlers in history, right up there with New Jack.
2: Well, and not to compare these two to the other two I'm about to mention, but think about in 1999 when The Rock and Austin were hot. If uh, The Rock's gimmick was like using a certain weapon and he almost paralyzed Stone Cold a couple of times, or vice versa. I mean, don't you think, you know, that the guy up top would be, you know, Vince, whatever. Would have been like, look. Okay, uh, I thought you
1: meant God, honestly.
2: I yeah. really did. <laughs> <laughs> don't, well, don't, don't you think Vince McMahon would have been like, look, um, stop it.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, because he has a brain.
2: Well, be careful who you say that to, Greg. I know. But yeah. <laughs> uh, the WWF is planning an ECW-like late night show and it is tentatively being called shotgun saturday night and it's scheduled to start on january 4th i don't know where they get it was an ecw like show other than i mean it basically took place in a dark bar i well the first one took
1: place in grand central station
2: yeah okay a dark grand central station which you remember
1: we went there i was like dude we got to go check this out this is like
2: <laughs> i had forgotten about the shotgun yeah. saturday night thing so yeah. Yeah, I made
1: sure great. to take you there and show you the escalator where uh, Triple H got tombstoned.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, I remember that one. But isn't that the one where uh, then they have like I can't remember. I, I'm I'm pretty sure this was on or like this was filmed because I think either Bruce Pritchard or Jim Cornette was talking about it where they had like little Vader going to try to use the urinal and he's too short.
1: Yeah, so, like,
2: somebody had to lift him up.
1: Yep. I, I don't know if that was this one, but yeah. Ha
2: <laughs> ha! God dang it, pal! He's short!
1: He's short a short little stint. vascular son of a bitch.
2: He's like Vader. He's short and stinky.
1: What the hell?
2: Apparently that was the thing. I don't know if that was... he
1: has in... gotta take it too far.
2: <laughs> well, I don't know if that was the thing in WCW or if he just gave up in WWF, but everybody said it's like, he never washed his gear. And it got so nasty to the point of where his, like, his gloves were flaking. So, like, Cornette said he grabbed him with those black gloves, and Cornette said he had to throw his suit jacket away, cause, like, black just rubbed off on it so bad. Ow. Yeah. And, uh. That's kinda uh, gross.
1: Yeah. I wonder if he did that on Boy Meets World, too.
2: Ugh. God. I hope he bathed then. But I, I mean, I guess he bathed, he just didn't wash his gear. And. Jim Ross talked about that, too, where he said he called up because, like, Vader was, like, milking an injury or doing something. I don't even remember. And Jim Ross called him up and was like, just yelling at him, basically. And, like, giving it, he said, well, I was trying to give him tough love, whatever. And he said he had me on speakerphone. I was like, I bet you haven't even taken your, washed your damn gear, have you? And in the back, I hear his wife, he hasn't even taken it out of the bag. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, well, if he ain't taken it out of the bag, I ain't washed it. I was like, all right, fair enough. That's just gross. Uh, anyway, getting off the, the Vader jokes. Um, during commentary on Superstars, speaking of Jim Cornette, he told a rather unfortunate joke, saying that a burglar broke into Sable's house, and she screamed, rape! And the burglar replied, no!
1: Wow. That sounds about right.
2: <laughs> He's used this joke multiple times. So, Yeah. Everybody wants to talk about that fried chicken joke he did in NWA. That wasn't the first effed up joke he's done on commentary. People, all right.
1: I can probably, I can assure you, it's probably the last. I don't <laughs> think anyone's gonna. Just...
2: No one's gonna see, hire him again. I can't
1: see. Yeah, I, I can't see anybody saying we need a commentator. Call Jim Cornette.
2: I, I, can't, I can't see I, it. I but... can't imagine anybody in 2020 or 2021. is about to be anybody saying. We need, a uh, insert job title here. Call Jim Cornette. <laughs> to... Like, no.
1: Uh, horrible criticism, maybe?
2: Yeah. We need somebody to be really racist, sexist, and scream and cuss at everybody. Call Jim Cornette! <laughs>
1: yeah. I like... Look, we never, we never ever get political on here, okay? But I'm just gonna say this. One of the, um, stereotypes of anyone who supports Trump is everything you just said. And... He kind of wants to murder that man. I just find it yeah. ironic. I just, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: it's a little left, though. <laughs> like, hmm, pot yeah. meat kettle. All right. <laughs> Final story I got here actually plays into this event. I don't know where he was supposed to fit in the card, but they made mention of him not being there. Uh, Mark Henry's broken legs expected to keep him out for four to six weeks. He ended up being out for an entire year.
1: Yeah, he would Debut until what? I think he debuted on Raw and joined the Nation.
2: Yeah, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh. Like Mark I like they
1: were gonna bring him in as an American hero because he was in the Olympics. They had him all draped in the flag. And like, uh no, we're gonna put you with the. Uh,
2: it was like Black Stable. I
1: was gonna say I was gonna say a take on the the rant. What do they call it? Black
2: yeah. the Black Panthers.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I and mean, Bruce Prichard tries me. oh, no, they were not on the Black pit. They were the same stuff.
1: Hey, you know what? I'm going to argue it worked. I mean, yeah, I hated I mean, them I mean, for I mean, obvious reasons, but it, it worked.
2: Yeah, they so, were heels. They were I mean, heels.
1: You know who started that group, right? Uh, PG-13? <laughs> Good God.
2: <laughs> Damn it. That was, was the saying. reference I was going to make to open the show. I <laughs> forgot it.
1: I just, uh, wow. Well, I'm glad you forgot it. Do not go and edit that in, either. Come uh, on. That group launched one of the greatest of all time, so you can't tell me it didn't work. So, anybody says that, I'll argue it all day. Dilo Brown? No, The Godfather.
2: <laughs> oh, Can you keep man. up? Jeez. Yeah. All right, well, that's it for the news and notes. Uh, you ready to dive into the event?
1: I, I think I am. Okay, well. We're not going to after... talk about Roddy Piper debuting?
2: <laughs> Did he? De- oh, yeah, he debuted at Halloween Havoc, didn't he?
1: Well, I mean, he signed the contract at World War Three this this month, but oh. we already covered it. I just want to throw that in there.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll have to talk about him someday, uh, someday soon. But All right, well, let's uh, take one final break uh, here before we get into the event at hand. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod.
0: They say, if you love something, set it free. At LifeLock, we say, what a load of bull hockey. All that saving up and paying off debt,
2: and now some identity thief wants to set it free? Crazy talk. LifeLock helps monitor your info and alerts you to potential identity threats. If you become a victim, we'll help fix it. No one can monitor all transactions, but LifeLock helps you keep what's yours. Save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com with promo code
0: LifeLock. Now, back to our program.
2: (laughs) Alright, we're back from the Turkey Goblin, and it is time to get into WWF Survivor Series 1996. Took place November 17th, 1996. Tagline, Back to Attack. The venue is Madison Square Garden in New York City, New York. Attendance, 18,647. And uh, pay-per-view buys... I, I've seen conflicting reports. One place said one, uh, 150000 another said 199000 It was a lot. Right? So I'll just go with that. But we open up the show. Uh, the package plays as they're kind of showing off that they're in New York City, and they let us know that the night before the show, the WWE held a Hall of Fame induction banquet. We talked about that in the archives. Um... On uh, the Buried Alive episode, so we we kind of talked about how it they didn't usually do much, like they they didn't usually have a ceremony. There for a while, they had a dinner, kind of bounced around here and there. When was it that they actually started doing it? Right right before WrestleMania, two
1: thousand
2: four. Okay, and this is ninety six. So I don't I don't know what they did between here and then. I know I think they
1: I think this might have been the only one after the Andre the Giant one.
2: Yeah, yeah, because I know that, well, they cut it off for a while, they would bring it back once at a blue moon, and now it's just an every year tradition, where they're like, who the hell do we throw in this year?
1: Except in 2020.
2: Yeah, I know. The, the dark year for everything. Too soon? <laughs> yeah. The opening match is a four-on-four Survivor Series elimination match. Uh On one team, we have... The, these these are some teams, man. I'll tell you what. On the the first team, we've got the British Bulldog, Owen Hart, and the New Rockers, Marty Jannetty and Leaf Cassidy. They have Clarence Mason with them.
1: That's they're a money team, team if I ever heard it.
2: Yeah. Uh, Who? Well, and on the other team, they got a one up them, man. They got the date. I believe they're debuting uh, Doug Furness and Philip LaFon with uh, Henry O Godwin. Phineas I. Godwin, and they have Hillbilly Jim in their corner.
1: It's definitely their pay-per-view debut.
2: Okay. It's very... I think it's it's such a stark contrast. On one side, in their corner, they have the black lawyer, Clarence Mason. On the other side, they've got a giant, like, hick in Hillbilly Jim. <laughs> just pointing out the contrast. Anyway, moving on from that very quickly... We, uh, this match goes on for 20 minutes, 41 seconds. Henry Godwin pins Marty Janet first with a slop drop, and then Owen pins Henry Godwin right after this with a spinning wheel kick. Uh, British Bulldog pins Phineas Godwin with a power slam. Philip Lafon pins Leaf Cassidy with a reverse superplex, which Vince McMahon calls, what a maneuver!
1: Dude, he sets up for everything.
2: I know. I just like, oh, he's setting up! He's going out! What a maneuver! Like, that's not what it's called. Like,
1: damn it, Cole, watch my old stuff, pal. That's what you do.
2: <laughs> well, I just like how he's even got. To, oh my! Like you didn't have to adopt everything wholesale from.
1: Yes, he paint. did. Uh, you know, other. You know, he's got to do that to fund his blizz decks. You know how much he has to buy?
2: <laughs> oh gosh, I get it. Damn it! Oh, I don't know. Anyway, I'm not even going to make a comment on that. Uh, after after some miscommunication between Bulldog and Owen, Lafond pins Bulldog with a sunset flip. Bulldog then chop blocks Lafond before leaving. Finally, Furnace turns Owen inside out with a German suplex for the pinfall win. I was shocked about that one. Uncle Dave gave this three and one-four stars. I gave it two. I wasn't that impressed by it. What say you? I gave
1: it two. I was borderline three. I didn't, I didn't, I liked it. Yeah. It was like nothing impressive happened though.
2: Yeah. It's For me, I mean, I, I would even give it two and a half stars maybe. By the way, this was like the new rockers. If they weren't an odd pairing to begin with at this point in 96, they were a super odd pairing because you look at like Marty Gennetti's walking around acting like in, I know haha, uh, acting like, but he's acting like he's, you know, to see, like, either drunk or high or a combo. Like, <laughs> like, he's just... All right, feeling, and I'm not gonna
1: touch that one.
2: <laughs> he's just... He looks like he's feeling good at this point, like, bobbing his head, like, yeah, man, I don't know if I'm a face or a heel, I'm just here. And then, uh, Al Snow, Leaf Cassidy, whatever comes out, hes he's got the facial hair, he's got the, the top-knot ponytail thing going at this point, and has this look on his face like he just hates the world. So yeah. He hates I'm the like, role as
1: a as a new rocker, but loves the world when he talks to a head. What does that tell you about the man?
2: I you know what? I would choose the latter gimmick as well. <laughs> I wouldn't have to call myself Leaf Cassidy and wear that god awful outfit. And I wouldn't have to hang around Marty Gennetty, who asked everybody if it was a bad thing if he has sex with a girl he's waiting on a DNA test for to see if it's his <laughs> daughter. <laughs>
1: You know, when you combine that with a guy who talks to a head, man, that's a hell of a team.
2: <laughs> he also claimed that he murdered a man when he was young because the man tried to touch him inappropriately behind a bowling alley, and then he dumped his body in the river.
1: He has since retorted that and said he just did it for a gimmick.
2: Yeah, and then I think he turned around and was like, or did I? And I was like, shut up! Just quit talking! He says some worse stuff.
1: Well, uh, he's got some issues.
2: Yeah, we'll, we'll say issues. Uh, Kevin Kelly's is in a dark room with Mankind and Paul Bearer, asking Paul Bearer what he thinks about being suspended uh, above the ring in a sharp cage later tonight. Paul says he's not going in that cage at all, and Mankind says that he's going to stomp the Undertaker and eat him alive. I, I got to do my,
0: I'm Paul Bearer and you're not! No, you don't. Oh, come on. Oh, yes! Don't go in there! Wait for it to air out!
1: You sound like you're doing a really horrible Mickey Mouse.
2: It's a creepy. It's a Halloween Mickey Mouse, aka Paul Bearer. I'm trying to figure out, like, how uh, Bill Moody came up with that. He was like,
0: I'm gonna talk like this!
1: (laughs) Well, maybe someone was just grabbing his balls when they were doing (laughs) his. (laughs) he was <laughs> yeah. doing his audition or something
2: yeah somebody <laughs> anyway the next match is Mankind with Paul Bearer versus The Undertaker and Paul Bearer will be suspended above the ring in a shark cage this went just shy of 15 minutes The Undertaker is lowered from the rafters in a batwing cape <laughs> they made a defining moments Undertaker of this didn't they
1: yeah good luck finding that for anything under 2000 bucks.
2: <laughs> yeah Defining Moments Undertaker, uh, Mattel figure, if you guys haven't figured it out. So.
1: I have the Mystery of Darkness one. That's a pretty penny, so I'm happy with that.
2: I, I'm i pretty, yeah, I do too, as far as I remember. I have one for Jax and Mattel. But yeah, so this was pretty cool, but he's like, he's in full leather, and I noticed during the match, I'm like, oh, he's not wearing any gloves at all. Like, he, This was his first pay-per-view. I don't know what he was doing on Raw. But at the last pay-per-view, he's still wearing the purple gloves. Yeah. He's he's just wearing the wrist gauntlets.
1: If anybody watched the Last Ride documentary, he hated this entrance and the look and the cape, everything. He hated it all. Oh, why? He just said it was stupid and didn't like it.
2: He hated a lot of things they made him do (laughs) back in the day. If you hear, what was the Survivor Series he was on Team America? 93 okay and that one where he opens his cape or er, his cape his uh, trench coat and the inside had the American flag stitched inside of it they asked him what happened to it and he was like oh you know what my uh, my dog ate it Like, <laughs> he said quote you know accidentally quote unquote ate you know got my coat and ate it it's like oh just that one <laughs> right none of the others
1: that was back in the day when he had to make an excuse now he can just say I ain't doing that
2: <laughs> yeah right i th- i mean i could understand if he doesn't want to be lower to the ring but i thought the look was different. i mean i don't i don't know about the whole leather thing but the ironic thing was he would go back to wearing just all leather as the american badass so whatever but i said as far as the match goes i said this was great and hard hitting back and forth undertaker ends up winning the match by hitting the tombstone piledriver for a pinfall Uncle Dave only gave this two and one-fourth star. I gave it three stars. What say you?
1: I, I gave it two. I was like, man, I've, I feel like I've seen this before. Adding Paul Bear and a Shark Cage above has not changed it for me, unfortunately. Yeah. I, uh, I've seen this match before. You know, it's like...
2: I just love it every time they do it. I don't know. I was a big mean, yeah, for this.
1: Seeing Slam Master Jay's dad get involved is cool
2: mother of god uh yeah getting into that after the match the paul bearer cage lowers into the ring and the undertaker is going to take him out as soon as the cage opens but before he can get to him the executioner runs down and attacks the undertaker the taker finally hits a flying clothesline on the executioner and sends him packing and paul bearer is able to escape the executioner was carry gordy
1: Terry Bamby, yeah. Bam excuse me. MSG is a long way from free man. He must have hauled ass to get there.
2: <laughs> He's not a free bird anymore, Greg. He doesn't. He doesn't live on bad
1: uh, once you're a free bird, you're always a free bird. Shut your mouth.
2: Well, yeah, he had to. He had to hide his face so they didn't know anymore. He was like, "Oh, I'm, I'm not a free bird anymore. I'm ashamed." <laughs> Meanwhile, we have another free bird. Yeah, you had to feel
1: like <laughs> Doc. H- you had to feel like Doc Hendricks got him a job there, right?
2: <laughs> oh, he definitely did. They said they said he called up, or he he talked to to Vince and Bruce and all that. He's like, "Look, um, if you guys could do me a big favor, Terry's in a bad way and he needs some money. Could you guys hook him up with a job?" And they're like, "Yeah, we'll figure out something." But you know, Vince was adamant. He's like, "God dang it, I don't want a free bird."
0: But God uh, dang
1: it, you already got one.
2: It, well, that's why he was like, "You're not a free bird. You're Doc Hendricks." Cut your hair and shave your your beard.
1: Uh, yeah. I know this is a little off, by the way, but you know you made a cameo on Halloween Havoc, right?
2: Uh, but watch please, Halloween have... Havoc. Oh, uh, this no, I st- I still gotta watch Halloween Havoc.
1: I... Yeah, he makes a cameo on there and he even play Bad Street when he's coming out of the van.
2: Uh, of course he do. I gotta watch this this now. All right,
1: damn uh, good event, by the way. Just except for that. Things. Except for that uh, Dexter Loomis crap, but it was fun to watch, I guess, but it was stupid. But It wasn't quite as yeah. bad as a musical, but it was close.
2: <laughs> well, you don't want to hear a sing-along between uh, Trevor Lee and uh, Dexter Loomis. I, come on, man.
1: No, break Dexter, out. And... Dexter Loomis never even spoken a word, so... <laughs> I just...
2: well, His first words should be him breaking out in song.
1: Kind of like Orange Cassidy's first words were going off about global warming.
2: <laughs> <laughs> either that,
0: oh, either man. he breaks
2: out the song, or they do the the voice thing. Like they they do what they did to Undertaker in uh, *Suburban Commando*. And like first he's like,
0: "You're gonna die, Clancy." Oh
2: yeah, that's right. They <laughs> should do that to him. Uh, why do I like bad things anyway? Speaking of I something mean, if
1: it's, if it's stupid, you can enjoy it at least. You know? it's like,
2: yeah. Well, something that's not bad. Sonny comes to the ring wearing an outfit that looks like it's straight out of the 1960s. Oh, roll looked,
1: a tie with she looking.
2: I know, right? But she did look like an extra for, I just said 60s, but she looked kind of like an extra from that 70s show. Am I wrong? Nope. Yeah. But she does commentary with Vince and Jr. Meanwhile, Doc Hendricks is in the back. He interviews Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Goldust with Marlena, Jerry Lawler, and Crash. This is uh, <laughs> this
1: is the most odd team ever.
2: <laughs> yeah, I my next line was this is the wackiest team I've ever seen.
1: The old Hunter Misfit Hurst, Toys team.
2: <laughs> yeah, because if you think about it, Hunter Hearst Helmsley was the Connecticut blue blood at this point. Goldust was effing androgynous. Yeah. Jerry Lawler was, you know, the cocky, arrogant uh, king of wrestling, you know, king of Memphis kind of. You put quotations around that, right? (laughs) Yeah. And then Crush was the prisoner Crush at this point with a fake tattoo on his face. That
1: was uh, 100% legit, by the way. Like, he just got out of jail. (laughs) That's no BS.
2: Just got out of (laughs) prison. Just just got out of prison, kind of make a gimmick.
1: And they threw that on him, yep.
2: Yeah. Way to go. (laughs) Apparently, I Mark wish Henry... I could say it
1: worked, but...
2: Yeah. Well, apparently Mark Henry's injured, and, you know, like, I, that's, I put this in the notes before I read the story, and he needed to be replaced on the other team. Jerry Lawler says he's too scared to show up. So, I don't know. Speaking of weird teams, we'll get into the next one. The first team, Hunter Hearst-Helmsley, Crush, Jerry Lawler, and Goldust with Marlena, they're taking on the team of The Stalker. Barry Windham, Rocky Maivia, the debuting Rocky Maivia, Jake the Snake Roberts, and Wildman Mark Mero is Sable. You should have
1: said like, Jake last because he was surprised. You ruined it. Great.
2: Oh, gosh. Ah, how dare I? <laughs> well, this went for 23 real, minutes, 44 seconds. Real quick,
1: seconds. I want to I point out something about the stalker. When they brought him in, uh, his promos were, like, obviously he was a heel. Something just huh. happened where I I guess they said, never mind. And they said, you're going to be not only a face, you're not going to have the face paint on you and you're going to wear a WWE shirt during your matches.
2: (laughs) And go back. I don't know if he ever stopped, but he was, I noticed he was wearing his old cowboy boots. Yeah. I'm like, uh, okay. I don't, I don't know of many hunters that wear cowboy boots while they're out in the woods. And they just gave up calling him the stock. I mean, they were still calling him the stalker. They were, they were also calling him Barry Windham.
1: And to my knowledge, he'd be gone really quickly after this.
2: What about the new Blackjacks? No,
1: the Stalker, I mean.
2: Oh. Well, first note I had was the barbs are flying between Sonny and Jim Ross throughout this entire match. And Sonny... Okay, something,
1: that was some of the funniest part of the show, by the way.
2: <laughs> it, was, it was pretty funny, but you could tell. Like, some of the stuff you didn't know where reality ended and kayfabe <laughs> began and vice versa... Uh, cause Sonny said something about, you know, when the pyro went off, something about the, you know, Sable's implants catching fire and Jim Ross is something to her about. It's like, oh, you're one to talk, aren't you? <laughs> and she's like, ah, oh, excuse me? I'm all natural. Like, mm, sure. Anyway, but Mero starts the match by announcing that the replacement for Mark Henry is Jake the Snake Roberts. He comes out. I will say he got a big pop. My. God, he walked through there, and I was like, oh. I mean, did you have that same reaction?
1: I don't like judging. I yeah. just, I know he had relapsed a couple of weeks prior to this.
2: Yeah, and uh, I i can't remember who it was made a crack about, you know, him and alcohol or whatever. I think it was Sonny. Or maybe, or, or, no, I think it was, a uh, no, Jim Cornette wasn't in this match. It was another one. But anyway, yeah, so... Whatever, he came out he just looked bad. I'm like, damn dude, this this sucks. But he pulled the nose up, so it's all good. Either way, Vince makes it known that Rocky Mayavia is a gimmick tribute name, just killing it right there. He's like, Well, that's not his real name, but we're gonna call him that. Like let, let us make believe, Vince. I never knew that they actually like uh acknowledged that. Like, I thought they always went... I Scott think the
1: Lawless whole game. thing was to make sure we knew he was the first ever third-generation star.
2: Yeah. Uh, Jake Roberts pins Jerry Lawler first with a DDT, so that was cool. Gold Dust pins the Stalker after hitting the curtain call. Mark Merrill pins Hunter Curse Helmsley with a moonsault to the standing Helmsley. Crush pins Jake Roberts after a heart punch, which is the weirdest finisher, I, one of the weirdest finishers I've ever seen. Mark Miro splats outside of the ring with an attempted dive. He's rolled back in and pinned by Crush. Rocky dodges a heart punch from Crush and takes out and uh, Crush takes out Gold Dust instead. Rocky pins Crush with a crossbody splash, and then finally Rocky finishes off Gold Dust with a shoulder breaker with a pin. Uncle Dave gave this two stars, I gave it two and a half, let's say you.
1: I gave it three. I thought it was the most enjoyable uh, Soros Series Elimination match on this card.
2: It was wacky. But it was fine. I, you know, it was good. I liked it. But I, I wouldn't have called anybody in this match a jobber. So I'll say that. Well, I don't know, Stalker maybe. <laughs>
1: if you're looking at this entire match, you're like two of these guys are going going gonna go on to define an era, I wouldn't have picked Triple H and Rocky Maivia.
2: Yeah, I know. I'm like, man, he's literally debuting against a guy who is one of his biggest adversaries through his entire run in WWE. It's nuts. Uh, But up next, we get a hype package for Bret Hart and Stone Cold. It shows Bret claiming to be the best wrestler in the world, while Austin has been terrorizing everybody with violence. Stone Cold, Steve Austin. Uh, What I
1: love about that, by the way, is is the, the contrast.
2: Yeah, right. And Bret's supposed to be like the wholesome, like... I'm a great wrestler and pure wrestler, and I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm a wholesome good guy. And meanwhile, Austin's just, like, beating people up and swearing and cussing and just everything. So Steve Austin is being interviewed backstage by Todd Pettengill, who's wearing his middle-of-the-mall CZ earrings.
0: What the hell?
2: He is. He's middle of the mall. Yeah, the middle of the mall CZ <laughs> the kiosk you can get the fashion jewelry at. That's what he's... He's he's doing a Tony uh, Tony Schiavone before Tony Schiavone ever did it. But Pettengill tells Austin that his match with Bret Hart is now a number one contender's match for the WWF title. Austin says that he's going to whoop Hart's ass. After Austin's entrance, Pettengill is interviewing Bret Hart, who says that he's fighting to make Austin respect him. Yeah, yeah well, good luck with that. <laughs> So this match here, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Bret the Hitman Hart for the number one contender spot for the WWF heavyweight title, it went for just shy of 25 minutes. It was a longin' but a good Uh Austin is wearing his more recognizable vests at this point, but still isn't posing at all four corners just yet. I mean, did you notice that about the vest where he just he changed it up at this time?
1: I just always remember the vest,
0: though.
2: Well, if you remember, I mean, he always had a vest, but if you go back and watch, like, uh, Buried Alive, the vest he was wearing just had, like, a painted-on logo on the back. Here, he's actually wearing the one with the, it it almost looks like metal, the way they sewed it on the vest and everything. The one we all know and love and all that good stuff, but just a little little tweak to his, his look and his character. More is yet to come. The crowd is definitely starting to get into Austin at this point, but they blow their load for Brett. Did you notice that? It, notice that, or did yep. Am I reading it wrong?
1: No, I was. That was correct. I, I feel like at this time though, Austin was the cool guy, so
2: I was yeah. even.
1: Start, I was even starting to like him too.
2: Yeah, Austin and NWO are anti heroes at the same time. Well, not even anti heroes, but like they're they're heels.
0: Heels. Both came out of black and white boxes.
2: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, Austin eventually turned, whereas the <laughs> NWO didn't. But people still love the NWO. Well, so.
1: oh, if uh. you really think about it, Austin never really turned. I mean, how is the guy that beats the hell out of your boss the good guy?
2: Because everybody wants re- to beat the hell out of
1: If you really players. think about it, he was the heel in that whole thing, and McMahon was the face, but... That's yeah, cause different... Austin
2: Yeah, cause McMahon, I mean, if you even listen to the promo, McMahon's like, look, dude, you're hurt. We're trying to look out for you. Go home, <laughs> take care of yourself. Come yeah, back right. and we'll let you wrestle. And he's like, Take time and take care of myself. F off. I'm like, alright. But Austin starts the match by flipping Hart, the double bird. Uh he spent most of the match beating Bret Hart's ass. Uh, there was a ton of, elbow, like, just a metric ton of elbow drops by Austin through this match. That was his favorite go-to move, was just dropping an elbow on Brett. But uh, this was a fantastic match, I said, that ends with the same way that Brett's WrestleMania 8 match ended, with Bret yep. being locked in a sleeper hold, kicking off the top rope, and rolling back to pin Austin for the three. Uncle Dave just, like... Uh, he fondled himself to this one. He gave it four and one-four stars. I gave it three and a half, maybe four stars. What say you?
1: I gave it four as well. I, I think mean, this was, was their best pure wrestling match they've ever had.
2: Yeah, I got to go back and watch their mania match. Well, that wasn't
1: a pure wrestling match, though.
2: Yeah, I well, yeah, I know, but I just i I just want to go back and compare them. There are a couple that. You know Austin had if you if you look at WrestleMania 13, WrestleMania 15, neither one of those were really matches. It was a fight. He fought with Bret and then he fought with Rock. Those weren't you can't. Yeah, even though I think you know the match with Bret was more of you know had had some elements of a wrestling match in it. The WrestleMania 15 match I thought was just like you and I had talked about it before where they just they beat the crap out of each other throughout the arena. Spent most of the match outside of the ring. But, yeah, so this is kind of a forgotten Boston threat match. Like, most, everybody points to their WrestleMania 13 one, but not a lot of people were like, oh, you remember that Survivor Series match they had?
1: I've always thought this was the better one.
2: Yeah, this was really good. I did notice uh Austin definitely bulked up after this. If you look at him here compared to how he looked like a year later, he looked pretty skinny right here. Uh, after the match, Austin storms off and Hart walks around the ring, slapping, slap hands, slap hands, and uh, hugging fans. I do, oh, yeah. I had, to, I, had get a, I had to get another Adam Sandler reference in for the podcast.
1: How are you up to now?
2: Uh, I now? I think just the two, but, you know, we might be able to, to jackhammer one more in there. Doc Hendricks is backstage interviewing Psycho Sid. He asks Sid if tonight will be the night that he, quote, Finally, snaps as if he hasn't already.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was a long, slow build.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. Like, well, you've been fairly sane up until this point, which is why we call you sane, Sid. Can
1: we define sane?
2: Yeah. Well, I, nice. I mean, we we've been calling him perfectly sane, Sid. And now, you know, the the psycho thing, we're, we it's it's we're waiting on it. He doesn't come out to the actual theme from Psycho or anything. But Sid says that he'll do anything to survive and says that he'll do everything and anything uh, it takes to become the WWF champion. Lou Albano, by the way, uh, who just got inducted in the WWF Hall of Fame the night before the show, comes to sit at the Spanish commentary table. That one yeah. I was like... I, I uh... like, Does he speak Spanish? Uh, they were laughing about it, so I, I'm going to say no.
1: I just, yeah it was random. I guess because they already had three at the English announce table. I guess they did fit.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not crying that I didn't get to hear commentary from Albano. Just saying. <laughs> Razor Ramon, Diesel, Vader, and Farouk is the next team, by the way. They have Clarence Mason in their corner. They're taking on Sadio Vega, Yokozuna, Flash Funk, and Soup Soup Superfly, Jimmy Snuka. This went just under 10 minutes. This is the final Survivor Series match of the night. Uh, Survivor Series style match, that is the Elimination style. Wolfie D and JC Ice, PG-13 wrap Farouk's <sighs> way to yeah. the ring.
1: This is the the debut, by the way, of The Nation.
2: Yeah. Mm. Uh, I was about to say that this is the debut of this version of Farouk, apparently.
1: Yeah, because you could see him at the last paper did, and he was still wearing that Gladiator garb.
2: Yeah, Jim Cornette makes a, makes a comment about that, because Jim Cornette comes down, he hops on commentary, he's screaming the whole time, by the way. He can't just talk like a human, but <laughs> and, of course, McMahon has to make a fat joke about him. That was uh lovely. He said something about um uh, or, well, I guess Bruce Pritchard had said something in the past about, like, McMahon, like, grabbed Jim Cornette backstage, like, grabbed him by, uh, by his shirt by the chest or whatever, his jacket at the chest, and then he, like, shoves him off all disgusting. He's like, ugh! I grabbed you and literally sank into you. My God! Wow. <laughs> wow. I'm like, what the hell?
1: I don't know what to do with that.
2: That's so effed up. He said everybody laughed about it, but there was, like, such a shock that Vince acted, like, just so repulsed. <laughs> uh, but this was also Flash Funk's WWF debut, joining people like The Undertaker to debut at this historic show.
1: The Undertaker, right. The Rock, Flash Funk. I mean, what do you not get?
2: Yeah, that's that's rarefied air, Greg. <laughs> He's wearing a red and yellow jumpsuit, and Jr. says, "I've never seen the red and yellow look so good in the garden."
1: Good God!
2: Like, shut the f up, Jim. (laughs) It's not bad enough you bring us the fake razor and diesel for God's sake. Yeah, I know it wasn't him. He was just saddled with it. But either way, Snooka was a mystery partner for his team. So another legend. Cornette acts like Hulk Hogan in his prime just came out <laughs> to go against his team, by the way.
1: Yeah, I feel like... You know, I hate... I feel bad saying, this, but... I feel like Cornette's reaction to coming out was bigger than the audience.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, definitely. I mean, the crowd was like, oh, cool, Jimmy Snuka. But like, my God. And at one point, I was like, it's almost like irony at this point. Like, he's going over the top on purpose. Like, as a joke. But he... Because he's just...
0: I, oh no! My god, it's
2: kinda it! No, we weren't prepared for him. I'm like Okay? Did like
1: Can you, you feel me on who you were prepared for?
2: I know, like it oh no, we were prepared for a guy who's actually on on the active roster, not this old man <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> But anyway Diesel pins Savio Vega with a jackknife power bomb. Snooka pins Razor Ramon with the Superfly Splash. Diesel and Savio Vega duel with chairs. Everyone starts using chairs. The referee disqualifies everyone. The match gets thrown out. Uh, Uncle Dave gave it one star. I gave it like one and a half. and a did it say you.
1: One star. Whole thing sucked.
2: Whole thing sucked? Yeah, just, uh, I don't know, man. This was, I don't even know why this was on the card other than the fill time.
1: For that reason right there.
2: Yep. A video package... I mean, I
1: guess to, de- to debut Farouk in The Nation, I guess.
2: Yeah, what a, what a great way to debut him in Flash Funk. Mashley gets thrown out. <laughs> a video plays to show how Sean's uh, Shawn Michaels' 1996 is gone and how Sid has been losing his mind more and more as the year progressed. On Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod.
0: The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Now, back to our program. (laughs) We now get the main
2: event of the night. It's Shawn Michaels with Jose Lothario in his corner. He's defending the WWF World Heavyweight title against Psycho Sid. This went for 20 minutes, 2 seconds. The crowd, I said, clearly loves Sid, but they lose their effing mind for Shawn Michaels. They even almost pull him into the audience at one point. Security has to yank him back. A girl, it looks like she's about to lose her mind when Shawn gives her a kiss on the cheek. Like... Oh, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'd fangirl <laughs> if uh, Shawn kissed me. Old googly eye. Either way...
1: Especially Shawn nowadays.
2: Yeah, right? During the match, however, the crowd turns on Michaels. They start booing him and chanting Psycho Sid. In the end...
1: I, I love, by the way, when he's coming out, Jim Ross clearly acknowledges that. Did you catch that?
2: Uh, no, I like, didn't.
1: A lot of fans clearly love this man he's in the garden.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're like freaking out and he keeps doing the, who's the man? They're like, you're the man.
1: If there's ever one guy in pro wrestling that had the hit factor more than anybody, it's this period of Sid right here. Yeah. I don't think it mattered. he could have went out there and just thunk up the joint. He was just
2: it. And he did a few times.
1: Yeah. I yeah. don't think it really mattered though.
2: Nope. Yeah, and this match well, we'll get into it. In the end, Sid grabs a camera as Jose Lotherio gets on the apron and stops him from hitting Sean. Sid turns around and blasts Jose in the chest with the camera, dropping him...
1: To a major
2: pop. by the way. <laughs> I know. Yay, he hit the old man! Uh, Sean hits sweet-chin music on Sid, but he goes to check on Jose instead of pinning him. Sid takes advantage, but Sean bumps the ref with a crossbody before going back to Jose. Sid hits Sean with the camera, then power bombs him as the ref comes... To count, or comes to when he counts a pinfall and the crowd erupts. Yay, Sid's the champ. Uncle Dave almost gave this four stars, but he had to shave something off or something, so he gave it three and three four stars. I gave it three stars. What say you? I,
1: I gave it three. I, I loved it.
2: Yeah, I thought this was great. It's one of Sid's better matches. And this was, I mean, if you, even you know, Pritchard was talked about the original plan was Vader was going to win the title here, and then he was going to lose it at Royal Rumble, not Sid, But they did an about-face, because Sean didn't like working with Vader, and they put Sid in there. So we get this. Uh, Sid's better than Vader? Yeah, I, I guess so. I, he hits, he doesn't hit quite as hard, I guess. So that's something. But as Sid celebrates with the, with the WWF title in the ring, EMTs are putting Jose on a stretcher and taking him away. Sean literally crawls and stumbles up the aisle after Jose and the EMTs. Sid takes a victory rap, lap around the ring, bumping fists with the fans. And that, ladies and gentlemen, closes Survivor Series 1996. So I think, uh, for the last time on the podcast, we're going to take a quick break and come back with the final ratings of the show. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod.
0: The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal.
1: Summer vacation, here we come.
0: Yep, I packed the craft beers I got it, Total Wine. Did you remember a bathing suit? No, but I did pack a bunch of summer wines. Whites, rosés, Zinfandels. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Now, back to our program.
2: <laughs> All right, final ratings of Survivor Series 1996. IMDb gave the show 7.2 out of 10. Cagematch.net gave it 7.68 out of 10. I gave it an even 7 out of 10. What do you say?
1: I, I was borderline B-C+, minus C plus, so I'm just going to go C+. plus.
2: Okay, yeah, so about 7, 7.5 in there. Yeah,
1: I thought it was a really fun event. Nothing amazing. I thought the uh, Rock's debut of that match was probably the best Survivor Series match. Brett and was clearly the best match overall, easily. Hands down.
2: Yeah, they had two really great matches. A pretty decent Survivor Series match. uh, Or uh, two decent Survivor Series matches. So, yeah, overall, I mean, good stuff, I think. I would definitely. Good. Crap, (laughs) Polly. Almost. Uh, PG. Yeah. I mean, if somebody asked. It's like, oh, should I watch this event and say, "Hell yeah." Hell yeah, yeah. There's enough on the show to make it a a really good show. Was it perfect? No. But I mean, they also were beholden to, well, we got to do these Survivor Series matches and we don't really have gimmicks for them. So, but past those, they crammed a lot of good stuff into the show. I enjoyed the watch. Next week, we have taken something off of our bonus show, what it was originally going to be, because we switched it up a little bit, and we decided this is going to be on the regular Wednesday podcast for the month instead of, you know, the bonus show. Next week, we have TNA Victory Road 2004.
1: I is, am really looking forward to
2: this. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever watched this show. I want to say I well, no, no, I, I don't know if I have.
1: This is the first ever three-hour TNA pay-per-view. Wow. Like, special Sunday three-hour, you know, not just... Because they're always on pay-per-view. Uh,
2: yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you look, it was uh, obviously the Impact Zone. I mean, the tagline for the event itself was a three-hour epic event. So that kind of shows you right there.
1: That <laughs> was the thing. They were really liberal with that word epic.
2: Oh, well, yeah. Just, I mean... That like that became the running joke online of Dixie Carter always saying such and such is going to change the face of professional wrestling, and it, and then either it'd be something really lame, or even if it was kind of cool, she ruined it by overhyping it, or she would just be like, oh, well, I, I meant it's coming up, not right now. <laughs> but yeah, so we get.
1: Some, I've been misquoted.
2: Yeah, I mean, we got a twenty man exhibition gauntlet match for the ex exhibition uh, cup on the show, and, and that opens the card. We've got the NWA Tag Titles being defended on the show. We got a Monsters Ball match, the Exhibition Title being defended on the show. Uh, we have a Last Team Standing Tag Team match here. Can't say I've ever seen that stipulate that stipulation like that before. So, and the main event is a ladder match for the NWA World Title that falls to Jeffs. So, uh, yeah, and
1: that comes into play by the way. Jeff and Jeff. <coughs> Uh, nice. No, it does. It was-
2: ah, well, I'm looking forward to watching it. Thank you for joining me today, Greg. hmm And we will see you all next week on the Victory Road.
1: Summer vacation, here we come.
2: Yep, I packed the craft beers.
1: I got it total wine. Did you remember a bathing suit? No, but I did pack a bunch of summer wines. Whites,
0: roses, Zinfandels. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices, total wine and more. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal.
2: Thank you.